So anyway, Joel chapter 3 here tonight. Joel chapter 3. All right, I'm going to have to ask you to uh, set aside your uh, dispensational outlines or whatever as we study uh, Joel 3, or otherwise we're going to miss what this passage actually says. As I was spending some time here yesterday and today studying down through this passage, I I want for us to pay attention to how God said it and not have the preconceived outline. I've, I've told you I've had to set aside that so that I can actually pay attention to what the Bible is actually saying. And the, the, one of the things that caught my attention is verse 6. The, the children of Jerusalem have ye sold unto the Grecians. Now where do you find that in end times prophecies? So the, obviously a, a lot of this, this uh, passage is dealing with things of prophecies foretelling the future that has already been fulfilled. But as I've often said, as far as prophecy, Old Testament prophecies in particular, there's a near fulfillment and then there's an ultimate fulfillment. The near fulfillment tells us what is is going to be fulfilled at the end. Now, just by way of of introduction, let's read the first several verses here. 4, verse 1, Joel 3, verse 1, 4, Behold, in those days... And in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Remember at the start of our study in Joel, I mentioned this, that, that, that at first I thought, well, valley of Jehoshaphat, that means it was after Jehoshaphat and Second Chronicles 20, not necessarily, because God knows the end from the beginning. So, so this name Jehoshaphat doesn't mean anything. God, God prophesies. In fact, Josiah, remember, we, we saw Josiah was prophesied, what was it, uh, like 350 years ahead of when he actually uh, fulfilled that prophecy. And will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Notice it's not Israel's land, it's the Lord's land. And they have cast lots for my people, and have given a boy for an harlot, and sold a girl for wine, that they might drink. Yea, and what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon, and all the coasts of Palestine? Will ye render me a recompense? And if ye recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? Because ye have taken my silver and my gold, And have carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have have, uh, ye sold unto the Grecians, that ye might remove them far from their border. Behold, I will raise them up out of the place whither ye have sold them, and will return your recompense upon your own head. And I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah, and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans. To a people far off, for the Lord hath spoken it. I want you to consider here, as far as history up to this point, Judah has experienced many deliverances from enemies. All right, so you think about the Egyptian bondage, God delivered them out of Egypt. But I want you to consider also looking forward at this point of writing here, looking forward to the Babylonian captivity, God delivered them after 70 years. And then you think again, the ultimate fulfillment when Christ comes, when God's people will be, be delivered. Now, it's not in the sense of what we speak generally of national Israel. I've, I've emphasized there are two Israels in the New Testament in particular, national Israel and spiritual Israel. 
It's important for us to remember this or we will miss the point of what Joel 3 is about. As, as far as this, this chapter is concerned, I want you to consider that ultimately we're speaking of judgment upon anti-Christian nations. As we think of nations that have rejected the Lord and, and uh, oppress and even persecute God's people, not just Israel, we're talking about the Israel of God as well as, as I've uh, taught in the past. Notice the very first word of this chapter is for. That tells us it's tied to what we've just read and as we look at verses 28 through 32, again, we see that this was fulfilled, verses 28 and following, was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. We saw this last week. And I want you to consider also that we see this uh, sun will be turned into darkness and so on. And very clearly, I believe this is a fulfillment of the day, terrible day of the Lord. Uh, as far as Jesus said, uh, Jerusalem would be destroyed in A.D. 70. But then as we close out chapter 32, this is what, what I want you to catch here. As we close out chapter, uh, uh, verse 32 of chapter 2, it says, It shall uh, come to pass that whosoever shall uh, call in the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Peter says it, whosoever, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. Let me ask you how much deliverance is in national Israel today, in Jerusalem today. I believe this is speaking far down as far as New Jerusalem, that's where true deliverance is going to take place. And I'll talk about that here in chapter 3. But as the Lord hath said, and in the, re, the rem, I'm sorry, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. And again, I've emphasized not all will be saved. We, we, we think the fact that all national Israel will be saved whether they want to be saved or not. No, that is not scriptural. Now as we move into chapter 3, notice it says, For behold, in those days... And in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Notice these two things are taking place at the same time. Notice the correlation here. Pay attention to the words very carefully because it says, In those days and in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. So let me ask you, did God bring all the nations together for judgment in 1948? No. All right, so pay attention where I'm going with this. I want you to notice here, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, then he's also going to gather all nations. So we're talking about at the end, not in 1948. I want to show you something here in Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. It, it is a common Common thing. In fact, you can find this out on Wikipedia even. Normally, I don't trust Wikipedia for much of anything. But if it's, if it's something that is uh, stated in relation to what is commonly called a conspiracy theory, then you can probably believe it's true. But I want you to notice something here as far as Genesis 10 verses 1 and, uh, through 5. I want to show you something here as far as Germany and the Jews. Notice it says here in verse 1. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right, so Japheth is the oldest, as we understand in the book of Genesis. And unto them were sons born after the flood. Notice right at the start here we have Japheth. The sons of Japheth, <coughs> excuse me, Gomer, and Magog, and Madai, and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tyrus. The sons of Gomer, notice this, Ashkenaz, and Riphath, 
and Togarma. Togarma is, is uh, the area of Turkey today, Asia Minor. The sons of Javan, uh, El uh, Isha and Tarshish, Kittim and uh, Dodanum. And um, Javan is, generally speaking, Greece, the, the Greek cultures. But notice here in verse 5 it says, But by these were the isles of the whom? By the Gentiles divided in their lands. Notice these are not Shemites, Semites. Everyone after his tongue, after their families, and in their nations. Notice this again in verse 3. The sons of Gomer are, notice, Ashkenaz. When you look up the Rothschilds, Rothschild family, and, and um, you look that up on Wikipedia, they said right in the first paragraph that they are Ashkenazi Jews. Listen to that statement. They're Ashkenazi Jews. So if that's the case, they are from Europe. They are descendants of Gentiles. They are not Shemites. I believe this is very significant because the ones who are in charge of Israel, quote-unquote, today, the state of Israel today, the UN state of Israel, they are Ashkenazis. I want you to think about this. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu, if I remember right, his parents are from Poland. They are not Shemites. They are not descendants of Shem. They are not descendants of Abraham. They are descendants of Japheth by their own admission. So with that said, notice here, Ashkenaz, Ashkenazi Jews, they are Gentiles. It is Gentiles that are in control of the state of Israel. And I've said this before, even genetically, the Palestinians actually have more of the lineage of Abraham in them than the ones who are ruling Israel. Why is that significant? Because as you go back to Joel 3, I want you to notice something here. Notice, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. The captivity of Judah and Jerusalem has not been fulfilled yet. Why do I say that? Because verse 2, all the nations have not been brought to the valley of Jehoshaphat. These two things are going to go together. We have to pay attention to this or we're going to totally miss the message of Joel 3. I want you to see another passage as a reminder in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. So let me ask you, is there freedom in Israel today for people to be a Christian, whatever? There is no freedom there. In fact, they are Marxists. And as you, okay, you want to understand what's going on in Israel today? Check out what was going on in USSR, Soviet Union, Check out what was going in, on in um, communist Germany, all those places. And you understand there is no freedom. There is no liberty there in Israel. In fact, I've said this before, missionaries that are going in there, they have to go in just like you know, any of these you know, uh, you know, Islamic countries. They have to go in under cover of businesses in order to preach the gospel in Israel. In fact, they have talked about persecution and so on against this. Now, I want you to notice with me Galatians 3. And this is the point I want to make with this in verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been... I'm, did I say chapter 3? Yes. Verse, uh, I think I wrote 3 and I need chapter 4. No wonder it didn't sound right. Now, notice verse 21 of chapter 4. I wrote the wrong reference down on my margin back in uh, Joel. Tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? 
For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. So obviously Hagar and Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Notice which things are an allegory, a spiritual, spiritual application here. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which generate to, notice, bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, which answereth to Jerusalem, notice this, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Nothing has changed yet from the first century when this was written. Jerusalem today is bondage, represents bondage. But Jerusalem, which is above, notice the contrast here. So we have earthly Jerusalem in contrast with heavenly Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all, of us, believers, all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which uh, hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, we, brethren, Jews and Gentiles together in the Israel of God, we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him, that was born after the spirit. All right, so Ishmael persecuted Isaac. Even so it is now, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. As I've said, there is no such thing as a Judeo-Christian heritage. Jesus did not build Christianity on Judaism. It was something new. It was, it was the, the, the new wineskins and all that Jesus talked about. Notice Joel 3 again. I want you to notice here this statement again. As, as we think about uh, this, this, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, again, this has not been fulfilled yet. I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them uh, there for my people. Remember uh, Exodus 19 talks about um, uh, Israel being God's peculiar treasure, chosen nation, and so on. Those are the same things that the Lord says about us in 1 Peter chapter 2, notice, and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. I want to point out again, remind you that when was Israel scattered among the nations? A.D. 70. So notice again that the, all these are related here, what we saw in chapter 2. So, so he's, he's building on prophecy that has now been fulfilled but he's presenting this in relation to the future as well. Now, with that said, I want you to consider here as far as the Valley of Jehoshaphat. I'm going to take time to look at it here tonight. But um, 2 Chronicles 20, if you're jotting down references or whatever, but 2 Chronicles 20 talks about the Valley of, of uh, Barakah. Barakah was the valley that Jehoshaphat met with the, the um, nations that had united against him. I think it was three nations, if I remember correctly. And with that said, notice Revelation 16. We, we saw this uh, several weeks ago. But I want to show you here in relation to the uh, Valley of Megiddo, the Valley of Armageddon. But I, I want to show you here in relation to this future fulfillment then. Again, these, these go hand in hand with the, uh, the fulfillment of these things. Revelation 16, verse 13. I want to remind you of this here again. 
It says in uh, verse 13, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Again, I emphasized mouth when we studied this passage out several weeks ago, uh, emphasizing the things that are said, the, the evil spirits, unclean spirits, are using what the, the uh, dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are saying. Of course, uh, Satan speaks through his false teachers and all that. It says in verse 14, For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now, actually, the speaking of the valley of Jehoshaphat, but but R speaks of of a mountain, as I pointed out there. But as you go back to uh, um, chapter three again of Joel, notice he's he promises he states that he's going to gather all nations, all nations, and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Can, can I point out here a modern day application of this? They keep trying to provoke a world war. Now, can I remind you? I want to remind you of this of the scriptural truth. We need to stop worrying about World War III. They keep talking about World War III, World War III, World War III. World War III is not going to take place, I believe, until this takes place and the Lord says, I'm going to gather all nations together. And that's when the Lord is going to take care of all nations in the valley. So, so again, think about this stuff biblically. And, and In fact, we've got to be careful even about what news we're watching because... They will twist it with their own uh, purposes in mind. In, in fact, I, I just um, read here, I think it was last week, um, where CNN was uh, supposedly having this, uh, this uh, presentation, live presentation, and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're hiding because there's bombs and everything going on and, and uh, all kinds of turmoil going on because of these, these attacks and everything. And so while they're filming this live scene, on CNN, Communist News Network, you know, um, here's these two people are walking casually down the street looking at all this, this stuff going on in, the, in this video. It's like, well, obviously they didn't think it was threat, there was any threat. So, so this was all propaganda on, on, on CNN. We've got to stay away from the modern news networks and all that kind of stuff because there's, a, there's an agenda that they have. But, but here's, here's what I want you to understand. We need to be focusing on what Scripture says and not what the news says because the Lord says there's a valley of Jehoshaphat. I'm going to gather all of them together in his timing. Notice he's going to plead with them, therefore my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Again, pay attention to those words. Those words grab my attention. Palestine is the Lord's land, just like this is the Lord's land. It's all created by the Lord. But, but again, in A.D. 70, Rome was the one that scattered, scattered uh, uh, God's people amongst the nations. And it says, they have cast lots for my people. Notice again, all these possessive pronouns. My people. And have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Now, those, those statements grab my attention. It's like, what in the world is this about? 
And I'll remind you again, in A.D. 70, 97,000 Jews were sold into slavery. It's important to pay attention to this because, again, part of this has been fulfilled now as we're looking back, but, but there's an aspect of it that's still yet future. Well, in these 97,000 Jews that were sold into slavery, notice the statement that's made here. They're, they're giving a boy for an harlot, for the hire of an harlot, and they're selling a girl for wine. So in other words, these slaves are so cheap to these people, they're selling them out for these kinds of things. How despicable and wicked and desperately wicked. But notice again, these 97,000 Jews were sold into slavery. Can I remind you that Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, also sell people into slavery. Um, there's, a, there's a book that I've been wanting to read talking about the white slaves of, of Britain. And uh, a lot of American population in the colony stages actually was from slaves that were shipped over here. Yay, and by the way, they weren't black, they were white. Yay, and what have uh, ye to do with me, O Tyre? So now he's going to single out uh, some nations in particular. O Tyre and Zidon and all the coasts of Palestine, obviously the Philistines and some of those nations that were along the coast there of, of the Mediterranean Sea, will ye render me a recompense? And if ye recompense me, swiftly and speedily will I return your recompense upon your own head. Now, what I want you to understand what he's saying there is, as I was studying this out, uh, literally, they, they are speaking of a recompense. You know, they're, they're accusing God of, of doing things not right or whatever. The enemy of God's people believe themselves to be just in their attack. So what they're doing is they're attacking his land, his people, uh, again, all of his possession. As we continue then in verse 5, it says, because ye have taken my silver and my gold. Notice again all of these possessive pronouns that the Lord is emphasizing here in this passage. Ye have taken my silver and my gold and have carried uh, into your temples my goodly pleasant things. Hold your place and notice me Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Now this was fulfilled in the Babylonian captivity. And I want you to notice here in relation to the statement there, his silver, his gold, and his goodly pleasant things. I, I believe this is fulfilled, at least in part, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, Daniel 1, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, notice, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now, of course, that's in Second Chronicles 36, is the fulfillment of that. But it wants to be Daniel chapter 5. I want to remind you of something here. Daniel chapter 5. This is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, he's referred to as the son, but... but um, uh, Belshazzar and Nabonidus, I think, is, is uh, his father's name, the son of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. They actually co-reigned, and so Belshazzar is the one who is presented in Scripture as the king. But this, is, again, is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, Bel, the, god, the Babylonian god Bel, Belshazzar, Whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring, notice, the golden 
and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. So he's, he's commanding for all of the vessels to be, that were taken out of the temple by his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. He's commanded all of these things to be brought so they can have drink out of them. And notice it says in verse 3, Then they brought the golden vessels which were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, the gods of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone, the gods of Babylon. In the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall, notice, of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. All right, so he's, he's literally shaken in fear. And it says, the king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Of course, uh, uh, they are not able to, to uh, uh, Daniel is brought in after the queen uh, brings in or, or brings to uh, Belshazzar's attention about Daniel who is able to... Uh, Interpret hard sayings and so on in verse 12. Now, I want you to think about as far as, as far as this fulfillment then, as we think about the taking of, silver, of, of the Lord's silver and gold and taking, carrying away into your temples my goodly things. Again, this has already been fulfilled. Now, when, when you think about the, the history that comes after this, Babylon, of course, King Nebuchadnezzar, as we've already seen, did this. Now, Medo-Persia did... did uh, not really do much of this. They actually are the ones who restored and uh, commanded for the uh, temple to be rebuilt. But then I want you to think about the Grecians is the next, uh, next uh, empire and the Romans. And I really believe in relation to this, Catholicism, Roman Catholicism has fulfilled some of this in relation to history. Because you think about the, the, um, the interest that Rome has in Jerusalem. Right, so pay attention to this because, uh, again, amazing fulfillment of, of prophecy and history. But it says, The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have ye sold into, uh, unto the Grecians that ye might remove them far from their border. Notice the Grecian empires mentioned here. The Grecian empire was before Jesus Christ was on this earth. So you notice again this, this fulfillment of prophecy here that is our, some of this prophecy has already been fulfilled, but it foreshadows and, and foreshows us what is going to take place in the end. Behold, I will raise them up, uh, raise them, I should say, out of the place whither ye have sold them and will return your recompense upon your own head. Right, so he's going to repay all of these things that, he, that they have done, uh, the enemies of Israel have done to... to um, uh, God's chosen nation, and I will sell your sons and your daughters unto the hand of the, uh, into the hand of the children of Judah. And notice, they shall sell them to the Sabaeans, this is Sheba and Arabia, to a people far off, for the Lord hath spoken it. So literally, what's going to happen is, as they were selling boys and girls and all that into slavery... The Lord says, I'm actually going to return this on your head as you sold my people. I am now going to sell your children 
to those away, far away. Now, I'm just going to introduce this for the sake of time, and then we're going to pick up here next week in our next study. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. I right, so notice this preparation for war here. Prepare war, wake up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. Now, this is just the opposite of Isaiah 2.4. Isaiah 2.4, if I remember right, is the verse that the United Nations quotes. This is just the opposite. You know, beating your swords into plowshares and your pruning hooks into, in, you know, spears into pruning hooks and so on. Notice, let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause the mighty ones to come down. O Lord, notice he ends this, with a, this section with a prayer. What I, what I will point out here is this is totally the opposite of what the United Nations says they are trying to accomplish. The reality is they are wanting war because it's profitable. All of the Rothschilds and all of these big, you know, big global banksters, they fund both sides of the war, and then they, then they pay for the, for the reparations afterwards. Why? Because there's money in war. War is a racket. It's, it still is, and it will be until the Lord is in charge. But here's what I want to emphasize as we tie all this together here tonight. It says, For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, we are still looking for the Lord's fulfillment of this prophecy. We've seen some of that. You know, Of course, the, the captivity was reversed in Babylon and so on. But they are still dispersed, and as I've said, Israel today, Palestine today, whatever, whatever somebody wants to call it. Um, it's very interesting. I noticed the other day that I had a download from the state of Palestine. I thought it was interesting. It wasn't Israel. It was the state of Palestine. But, but here, here's what I want to emphasize. The, the fact that the Lord is someday going to gather together all nations, and he is going to... He's going to, well, he's, he's going to prepare for war, and it's going to be all of the nations against the Lord and his mighty armies. Uh, guess who's going to win? The Lord is going to speak, speak their destruction. Lord, thank you for the prophecies of your word, thy word, and Lord, the fact that so many prophecies have already been fulfilled helps us to know and understand that all will someday be fulfilled. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand things in relation to Israel, things that are going on right now. But Lord, help us to also understand things that are going on in relation to the so-called World War III and all those things that they're talking about. I want for us to understand scripturally all these things that are going on in our world today. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen.